For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. On Lincoln Live this morning, we go back to the end of March 2020. Supply chain problems started to be talked about. And at that time, I reached out to Jennifer Ryan, UNL Chair of Supply Chain Management and Analytics, for insight into the problem. So here we are again, 21 months later, Jennifer and I reconnect for Lincoln Live to see how supply chain problems look in January of 2022. Jennifer, good morning again. Thank you. Good to be here. You outlined uh, 21 months ago what weak links were exposed by the supply chain crash. What has changed since the last time we talked? You know, a lot has changed and, and nothing has changed at the same time, right? We're at a very different stage of the pandemic itself. Um, uh, consumers who drive a lot of the supply chains, those of us who buy products, um, we've, we've gone through a whole bunch of changes in terms of what we want, what we need, um, our attitudes. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we're kind of back to where we were, where, you know, you go to the grocery store and, and what you need's not there. Um, and so, or you do, you want to go to the restaurant, but it's, it's not open. Um, so we're kind of back to where we were <laughs> 21 months ago in a lot of ways. I mentioned the weak links and you talked about some of those back in March of 2020. Have those weak links been repaired to any extent? We had weak leaks on both the supply side and the demand side. On the demand side, I think the challenge that we faced in March of 2020 was the surge in demand for certain kinds of products, right? The toilet papers, the cleaning products, the hand sanitizer, um, and companies just didn't anticipate that, right? They didn't, they didn't forecast, they didn't predict it would happen. So they didn't have enough product in stock. Um, and they also didn't have the ability, the flexibility in their manufacturing systems to really ramp up production and to produce a lot more than they normally would produce to meet this demand. Um, and I do think companies have have made efforts to build more flexibility into their manufacturing systems, their distribution systems, their transportation systems, so that they can adapt. That's definitely something that we see a lot of companies talking about. We need to be more flexible. We need the ability to turn on a dime and to um, address these issues. Um, so uh, the other thing on the demand side is the reasons why we're seeing this you know, surge in demand. We're seeing some surge in, in demand now the reasons are very different than what uh, we saw back in March 2020. In March 2020, it was stockpiling of these products that we thought we wouldn't be able to get in the future or we thought we would really need, like the hand sanitizer. Um, and now it's really more about economic growth, right? Consumers, are, you know, they, they uh, didn't spend for a long time and, and now they're really, they, they're spending a lot of money, they're buying a lot of products. The Christmas selling season was very strong. Um, you know, cars are a great example. People didn't buy cars in 2020 so in 2021 everybody was buying a car um, so you know the the reasons why we're seeing this peak in demand might be different but it's still the same issue um, and then on the supply side as I said you know the companies lack the flexibility and that's something I do believe they are addressing but what they can't really 
um, handle on their own is the the worker shortage, right? I mean, right now we we got Omicron causing a worker shortage on top of a worker shortage that already existed, right? We saw into the summer and early fall uh, reports of, of jobs going unfilled, people leaving the workforce, a lot of early retirements. Um, and so we had a significant shortage of workers already. And now people who want to work, they're positive and they can't go to work. <laughs> so, um, you know, this, this, this uh, situation of people not being able to go in because they have COVID is just exacerbating a supply problem that already existed in terms of the workforce. Toilet paper and hand sanitizer, the easiest go-tos for products that really symbolized what the pandemic did. <laughs> right. So I'm curious about what product sectors impacted then are not so much impacted today and what new sectors are feeling it? Yeah, I mean, so the new sectors that are feeling it are, it's really everything still, to be honest. But I mean, I, I the, the grocery industry was affected then and still is affected. I think what you, you read about now are things like the construction industry is really suffering. They're having a hard time getting the materials that they need. And part of this is because of the housing boom. The housing boom didn't happen right away in 2020. It waited until 2021. And now um, because of the transportation issues, the, um, the shipping issues, they can't get a lot of the products that they need to build houses. And so you hear stories, for example, of houses taking twice as long as they should to be built or sitting partially completed for months and months and months for lack of um, a few kinds of supplies. So I think that construction industry is a good example of, of one industry where um, it wasn't affected initially, but it certainly is now. Um, things like the uh, semiconductor shortage that we've all heard of, that wasn't an initial problem, right? But it became a problem, um, you know, six months, a year into, into the pandemic. And it's, it hasn't completely resolved itself, and it's going to take a long time to resolve that one. Those automobile computer chips and the semiconductors, we've all seen on Facebook or some social platform acres and acres and acres of new trucks and cars that are sitting idle just waiting for those chips to be shipped. A small little chip that's the size of your fingernail is keeping those vehicles from uh, getting out onto the road. How close is that to being resolved because of the massive demand? Yeah, and that's a tough one. You know, that there's a it's it's not resolved, and it's going to be years before um, it's fully resolved, and for a number of reasons. One is, and we may have we have, may have talked about this previously, is that it, it takes so long to build a semiconductor fab. It's so expensive. It takes years and years. The equipment is so sophisticated. You can't do it overnight, right? So that's one reason it's going to take a while. The other reason is right now, you know, we've got. Um, We've got so much of our production of, of semiconductor chips over in Asia, and Asia um, is, has serious lockdown policies that when there's a case, you look at China, when there's a case, they shut down. Um, and that is beginning to, again, disrupt uh, production of semiconductor chips in, in China. Um, we've had other issues of um, 
things like in China, they, they had rolling blackouts that they were experiencing that had nothing to do with the pandemic and everything to do with trying to meet um, certain kind of commitments they made in, in terms of emissions, right? So the government was limiting power in certain regions where there was significant production. So that was uh, slow, slowing down production of, of semiconductor chips. Um, we had in, in Vietnam, they had lockdowns where a lot of the packaging of these chips or the testing of these chips takes place. So there was a huge number of things going on um, and they're not all resolved, right? As long as we have lockdowns, as long as we have uh, facilities that cannot produce either because they're shut down or because the workers are all sick, um, we're still going to we're still going to see these problems. Jennifer, I've heard conversations mainly among economic development experts that now is the time for the United States to step up and businesses who relied on those Chinese chips or those Vietnamese test places or packaging sites in other parts of the world, let's bring it home. Let's not ever have this again because what is clogged up at the ports can be made in our borders. Do you get a sense of that? Yeah, in theory, um, yes. But, you know, when, when we talk about a company like a, an automotive manufacturer, GM or Ford, buying computer chips, we talk about suppliers. And we don't talk about one supplier. We talk about a network of supplier. There are so many companies that go into making that one computer chip, making it, testing it, packaging it, designing it, that whole process. Sure, you could bring over the, the, the fab and, and many, you know, we do have fabs here in the US where the chip is actually manufactured. But unless you bring over that entire supplier network, all of those companies, it's really not gonna do you any good. If you make it here and you have to send it to Vietnam to do the testing or the packaging, what good is that? That's actually even worse, right? Why not make it in China, send it to Vietnam, and then bring it over here? Um, so it's a little bit um, simplistic to say, let's just bring it over. Um, and But you do, at the same time, you have a lot of companies talking about reshoring or nearshoring. Maybe we don't bring it to the US, maybe we bring it to Mexico, right? So these are definitely strategies that we're gonna see more of, but it's not its not a cure-all. It's, it's not an easy solution and it's not a solution that's gonna work for every company. And push come to shove, they're gonna still wanna keep their costs low, right? And so uh, the reason we have semiconductor manufacturing over in Asia initially was lower cost it's not necessarily lower cost so much now as it is capability. They have the companies with the equipment, with the workers that are trained to do this kind of manufacturing. Um, and that takes a long time to build up, right? So if we, uh, if, if we try to move it all here, it's not gonna work. Has enough been learned yet to prevent this from happening again? Uh, no, I mean there were just too many things that were that that went on. I don't. I'm not sure that any amount of learning could prevent it from happening again. It was really a once in a century kind of event that um, we certainly could have handled it better, but uh, we couldn't have prevented it. There are things that we could maybe have done differently um, at all stages of the supply chain. You know, we as consumers could have made different purchasing decisions, right? We could have been a little bit uh, smarter. We could have been a little less reactive in terms of uh, the things we purchased. Um, 
in you know companies as i said they're they're starting to do things like building in more flexibility into their manufacturing um, governments are looking at regulations that are hindering the ability to uh for companies to transport product or manufacture product and and saying you know which ones which ones do we really need which ones don't we so people are learning and making improvements but i don't think you know given the magnitude of what we've been through over the past two years, I don't think we could have prevented it. Enough time to look ahead. Here we are, January. What about Christmas toys? What do you see as a time frame for baby steps to happen to get this supply chain unclogged? Yeah. Um, you mean for Christmas of next year, for yeah. this 2022? <laughs> Christmas of 2022, right. unless you're looking ahead yeah. to 2023. No, I mean, I think historically, uh, uh, retailers who sell toys have had to make decisions in, like in the summer regarding what to order for toys. When there's no pandemic, that's what they've had to do. And that's challenging because predicting the demand for you know what's going to be the big popular toy in november december and trying to do that in june is challenging but i tell you right now i'm sure they're thinking okay it's january i need to start thinking about what am i going to stock next november right next october november for the christmas selling season and that's what they have to do they have to start planning ahead um, and, you know, consumers, they might be thinking about something similar. Consumers might be saying, you know what, I'm going to start my Christmas shopping a little earlier this year because I didn't get that T-shirt that I ordered for my daughter. Um, and so you might see everything shifting next year. And again, we're, we're reactive people, right? We, we say this happened last year. Let's adjust our behavior for next year. Um, and if everybody does that, consumers buy earlier, then the retailers need the product earlier, so they need to order earlier. Um, and of course, that, that has its own challenges in terms of trying to do prediction of what people are going to want, but, um, but it has its benefits as well. It serves to level off demand, right? The thing about toys is it's very, very seasonal, but if you spread it out more, then it's easier to manage the, the peak demand. Finally, Jennifer, if zero is no clog at all, zero is a free-flowing port and 100 is a complete shutdown, nothing is moving, it's locked down, where are we right now? Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I think we're, we're, we're creeping up. I think we're, you know, above 50 and it's not it's not going down it's going up that score um, i think the challenge is we thought we were going to be improving right now you know we thought we were over the the, the big holiday season hump and that we would be improving but unfortunately you know if workers can't work then product can't flow, whether it's at the ports or the warehouses, at the manufacturing facilities, stocking the grocery store, none of that's going to happen if there are no workers. Um, and so at least temporarily, we're, we're not clearing the backlog. It's, it's, it's accumulating more. Um, hopefully, this, this surge will pass quickly and then we'll, we'll get back on the right track. But we're not where we thought we would be. I have a feeling we're going to be talking again about this same time in 2023, and it'll be supply chain port clogged subjects. So, Well, hopefully not, but yeah. I, I'll, I'm available. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer, very much. Joining me on Lincoln Live is Jennifer Ryan, UNL Chair of Supply Chain Management and Analytics on Lincoln Live.